Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, this is going to be one of those episodes that has two intros. Recorded with Bryce Simon on Sunday night. You can go look at the full video up on YouTube because we went live. We recorded for about three hours. So we're going to split this episode up into two. It has a nice, easy break because we talked about the Damian Lillard trade, all of the various permutations, all of the various everything that seems to be worth talking about there from the Raptors to the sun's involvement to the heat. We tried to find weird four team deals that make sense involving those teams, everything. And we did that for like an hour and 15 or so. And then we talked about the Dallas Mavericks for another probably 15 or so minutes. Jason Kidd made some interesting comments about the starting lineup. So we talked about that. Then we talked about the NBL blitz and did a scouting breakdown of all of the players I saw over in Australia at the gold coast over the course of my four days there. I've also watched the tape of all of the games and we really dove deep into Alex Saar, Bobby Clintman, Trenton flowers, AJ Johnson, Lockie Olbrick, all those guys. So that episode about the NBL Blitz will come out Wednesday on the podcast feed, Tuesday night going in to Wednesday. If you want to see, read everything, etc., by all means, I would implore you to go over to the YouTube channel. It's already up there. You're going to be able to see it. Until then, though, on the podcast feed specifically, this is an hour and a half breakdown or so of everything that's going on with the Damian Lillard saga, and then a quick little breakdown of the Dallas Mavericks potential permutations in their starting lineup. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show. Bryce Simon is in the building. Bryce is here. And we are going to talk about Damian Lillard. All of the crazy trade news that has occurred over the weekend, all of the rumors, the innuendo, all of the frankly bullshit that is getting spread by both sides and trying, or all of the many sides, there are like six different pieces of this, it feels like, trying to create leverage, trying to create this, that, the other thing. We're going to talk about all of that. Uh, who makes the most sense? Who doesn't? I feel like this is a never-ending saga, but it feels like we're at least honing in, maybe is a way to put it. Next, we're going to talk a little bit about Dallas Mavericks starting lineup. Jason Kidd made some interesting comments to Mark Stein over the weekend about potentially starting Omax, Prosper, and Derek Lively. Intriguing to me uh, for a team that has Luka Doncic and ostensibly should be trying to contend for a title anytime you have Luka Doncic. You 
should probably not start two rookies is my theory, but maybe you will and we'll find out. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Finally, we're going to talk about the NBL Blitz, and that will be like the back half of this show. We're going to talk about all of the prospects that I got to see in person. I was at the Blitz, as we talked about last week on the show with Bryce. I saw, I think, everybody there at least once, uh, except for Josh Bannon, who got hurt in the first game, and I did not get a chance to see him. Uh, I am an, Have you seen much of Josh Bannon? I have not, Montana, no. Bryce? No. Yeah, Uh one of the more interesting, weird prospects I've evaluated in a while has like a shot where he's a lefty and his arms are like straight armed almost coming out like away from his body as he loads the ball up into his shooting pocket and then gets everything perfectly into rhythm and the shot looks absolutely beautiful, like six foot ten. It's so, so weird and it's like a full jumper. We'll talk about it a little bit more, but we're going to talk about Alex Sar, Bobby Clintman, AJ Johnson, Trenton Flowers, Taryn Armstrong, Lachlan Ulbrich. Yes. The I icon Lachlan Ulbrich. I, I got notes. I'm ready. I am so excited to talk about Lachlan Ulbrich. I think he is a legit dude. Also, Derpy Entertainment is here. He's just here for the hat content. <laughs> you're goddamn right you're here for the hat content. Ohio State beats Notre Dame over the weekend on I'm a, a last Notre Dame fan, Sam. Second play. I went to Ohio State, so you better <sighs> believe that I'm going to be here talking my shit. Yeah, that's goddamn right, Lou Holtz. <laughs> yeah. It's a good game. Funniest, truly one of the funniest things I've ever seen is Ryan Day. Like, first comments after beating Notre Dame on the last play of a game. He's like, yeah, yeah, Lou Holtz. You, 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 I had to go tell Lou Holtz after the game that our team is tough. My man is 86 years old and he's been off TV for like eight years and you got to do this. But here's the other thing. You better believe that all those, all those fans back in Columbus, they ate it up. I know that fan base very well. Having went there, uh, they ate that shit up. Uh, and then Adam N is here for the movie takes. I watched four new releases this week. I watched Bottoms, which is one of the funniest goddamn movies I've seen in so, so long. I watched Jules. I watched... Uh, no one will save us, which is this wild, like home invasion alien thing. And then also went to see the equalizer three, which is just some glorious shit. Uh, Denzel, I think Denzel wanted a vacation in Italy and was like, Hey, I'll just film another equalizer movie in Italy. (laughs) What a, what a flex, but Bryce is here. Bryce, what's going on, buddy? What's up first? I love the league and how they play out leverage in the media. I'm here for it. I love how agencies use the media. I love how teams use it. I'm here for all of it. I know it annoys some people. I love the college football trash talk that's going on from head coaches every weekend. Oregon's head coach was after Dion. Dion's after everybody. I love it. And then I don't watch many movies, Sam, but I will tell you this. If you can, go watch The Dropout. I believe it's either on Netflix or Hulu it's not a movie well i guess it isn't but it's like a documentary essentially incredible story um something i didn't even realize happened it's a docudrama yeah it i didn't even know what happened sam and this story is insane like i didn't know what happened when it happened is what i mean and man just a crazy story so i'm not very good with movie takes if you guys are here for that sam's gonna have to bring on a different guest but (laughs) i watch some from time to time when i'm not watching hoops I watched uh, I watched the dropout and then 
last week I actually read Bad Blood, the book that okay. uh, the whole Elizabeth Holmes thing is based on. So uh, you're just not based on, but the whole Elizabeth Holmes deep dive into Theranos and everything. It's good. Uh, Amanda Seyfried's fucking amazing in that show. Incredible. She's so good. Incredible. She's incredible. Whenever I turned on an uh, actual interview, I was yeah. like, Rain, my not my wife's name is Rainy. I was like, Rainy, wake up. Like, you need to hear this. It's she sounds just like her. She did such a good job. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the better TV performances I've seen in a while. And I feel like she did not get like nearly enough credit for it come awards time. Uh, but let's dive into the Damian Lillard saga. So Damian Lillard is going to be traded, it feels like at some point. This weekend, it finally felt, to me at least, like the tide turned and that this thing is going to happen before training camp, seemingly. That the Blazers did not want to take this into training camp. We talked about this on the last episode a little bit, just about why you wouldn't want to do that, maybe in terms of the player participation policy, maybe in terms of the distractions, everything like that. Uh D-Rock brings up the idea of what the Blazers owe Damian Lillard. Look, I don't think the Blazers owe Damian Lillard much of anything. I don't think Damian Lillard owes the Blazers much of anything. I think that everybody should handle their business in the way they want to handle their business. And you act accordingly based on how people act and respond in these circumstances, right? So Damian Lillard... It is clear, for instance, and this is where we can rope Toronto in, to me, it is clear, for instance, in my opinion, that Damian Lillard's representation, maybe Dame himself, are sending out smoke signals that they don't really want to go to Toronto. Now, Sam Amick said, like, maybe if he goes to Toronto, wouldn't report. Shams reported that a couple of weeks ago that he has no interest in going to Toronto and, like, wouldn't report. I don't know if he would report or not. I'm not going to sit here and pretend. My guess is he probably would. Because, you know, what, are you going to sit out a year when you're 33 years old and your whole career has been so geared toward trying to win? And this is like your best last chance to win being 33. Like it only goes downhill from here in terms of your play. So I kind of have always felt like him not reporting is an empty threat given his age, but only Damian Lillard and his reps, I think at this point, know whether or not that is real or not. What is interesting now is that some of the teams that I've kind of heard on the periphery of this conversation are starting to become like a little bit more public at this point. The Raptors are a team that when I kind of talked to people at the Blitz last week, I think I mentioned this on the last show, the Raptors came up quite a bit as a real potential option uh, when talking to like NBA personnel. I did not hear Chicago at all. Uh, from anybody. I, I, the Chicago one is interesting to me and maybe we can talk about like how that happens. I, I don't totally uh, understand sh- wh- where how Chicago would even mechanically and logically really get into this. But uh, sh- Chicago, I didn't really hear, but Miami is obviously like omnipresent. I- I'm not going to sit here and say like I have firsthand understanding of what's happening with these negotiations. I don't. I will just say I would find it exceptionally uh, 
surprising if the Blazers are not talking to Miami. It's possible they go back and forth between all these different teams. And it's possible that because there now seem to be so many moving parts involving, you know, potentially Phoenix. I saw a Utah thing with Tyler hero. You see Brooklyn with Tyler hero, potentially these deals are so exceptionally fucking hard to come together because everybody will come in kind of at the end and say, we want this, we want that. And then for instance, like they'll ask, then teams will ask like, well, what's this team getting? And then they'll say what they're getting. And then like, it's totally illogical. It's irrational, but teams always feel like they want to win trades. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. And the whole thing can fall apart based on things that just don't even make sense. Right. So all of the mechanics involved with a four-team deal get really ridiculous and silly. The first thing I want to ask you, we've talked about the Miami Heat kind of ad nauseum with Damian Lillard. Obviously, Damian Lillard makes sense for the Miami Heat. I will ask you this question first. Does Damian Lillard make sense for the Toronto Raptors in your mind? So my initial response was yes. And then the more I looked at it, and I think I even put this in my notes of does a Dames, Barnes, Siakam, and then whatever you have left, does that get it done? Yeah. The answer is it gives you a chance in the East, probably, right? Like, are they the, is that trio favorites in the East? No. Are they favorites over the Bucks? No. Are they favorites? I mean, the favorites over the Sixers. Uh, assuming James Harden is MIA, then yes. But if, I look, we we just don't know what that roster looks like. I think the Celtics. No. The Heat. Um. So they have Lillard. The Heat do not have Lillard. I would say they are probably favored over the Heat at that stage. And then they have all the Western Conference teams, which I know that's a whole nother conversation. So, well, the, the, the other team for me is the Cavs. Oh yeah, like, shoot. I think the, I think apologies the Cavs to Cavs. Finish, yeah, yeah, my bad. Yeah, I think the Cavs finish ahead of them in the regular season. I think that the Raptors, very possibly, depending on what all they would have to give up in addition to keeping Barnes and Siakam to get Lillard. Uh, you know, I, I think that it would be a question which one would be more applicably built for the postseason but i'm also higher on the Cavs than everybody so i'm you know first hand, hand up acknowledging that i might be too high on the Cavs. but we this trade doesn't get done without og no matter we'll talk about it in a second but no matter where og ends up we don't think this trade gets done without og correct so <laughs> i want to table that okay. for a second okay i just want to table that for a second because I, I think there's like an interesting conversation to be had there too I, so here, here's my problem with this from Toronto's perspective. Does a Lillard-Siakam-Barnes trio make sense? It, well, along with Jakob Pertl, by the way, who is their center. <laughs> no. My answer is still kind of no. Because both 
Siakam and Barnes really like to operate in the same areas. They like to operate in that mid-range area. They like to operate in the mid-post. And by the way, if you get Damian Lillard, then you're reducing the number of on-ball reps for Scotty, which means he's going to operate in that like mid-range, mid-post area Without even more often. Or he's going to have to learn to shoot, right? Like, or, or he's going to have to space the court and knock down threes. And, you know, Scotty's a great worker and like a really good human being. I am willing to hear out an argument for Scotty being able to shoot at some point. I just don't know that it's going to happen this year from a floor spacing perspective, or maybe even next year, given the evidence that we have within the NBA and throughout his prep career so far. So that's so you still have a flawed roster at that point, right? And you have Pirtle, by the way, who is a non-spacer. So you're starting essentially three non-floor spacers in Siakam, Barnes, and Jakob Pirtle. And for those of you that say like, oh, Pascal, he can really shoot. Like he's still, he's still able to shoot. You look at his last three seasons, Pascal has not really shot it. He's taken four three-point attempts per game and made them only at 32%. You could maybe make a case to me that a lot of those are somewhat difficult pull-up shots and that Lillard would attract attention away from him. But I'm still not quite there. I think that what Swarlazers brings up is right. You are kind of just swapping Fred for Damian Lillard here in this circumstance. And Damian Lillard is way better than Fred. But you're but losing all the other assets along with it to make that swap. Losing, yeah, and you're potentially losing OG as well. Yes, and, and, and maybe your floor spacing because you don't get it done with just OG either. I mean, somebody's going to either ask for Grady Dick or you're going to have to put Gary Trent Jr. because of money stuff. I mean, maybe I know we're going to talk about the Suns and Aiton in a second, so maybe you don't end up having to give away as much if that happens. But I just... I actually want to, can I ask you, do we have to keep this? I want to ask, is there an argument? Can you make the argument they should actually make Siakam moved in this to a third team? You don't have to, you probably don't have to give up pretty much anything else, Sam. And then you just add Dame to OG, to Barnes, to Grady Dick, to everybody else on your roster. No, because you still can't win a title with that roster. I agree. I, so here's my question then, though. If you don't think Scotty Barnes is a number two, what does that say about how we feel about Scotty Barnes? Well, I think he can be a number two and potentially just, even a number one long just not, term. Just, just but not in the, this window of Damian Lillard. The problem is that we are talking about with Damian Lillard, in my opinion, a two-year window here where he is 34 next year and 35. Like I'm willing to say Damian Lillard is going to be amazing even at 35 years old. But once you get past that, I think you do start to see real diminishing returns. Like what do you, what does this look like? I guess if it's Lillard, OG Barnes, maybe like Gary Trent at that point you keep. And then Pirtle. Well, it kind of looks like a lot of the old teams that he had in Portland, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm struggling to see it. The argument in favor 
of doing this if you're Toronto is that it gets you one step closer, right? So you have Damian Lillard, you have Pascal Siakam, you then have this, you know, you have Yaka Pertle, depending on what you can keep, if you keep Grady Dick, if you keep Precious Achua, everything like that, you can move them for pieces that make sense on the periphery maybe of this roster, and it gets you closer to being a contender. Does that move you in any way, shape, or form? And then the other thing, we talked about this a little bit with Giannis. Does this help you re-sign Pascal? Would this I, move- I think Pascal would re-sign. Like, Pascal can get more money from Toronto than from anybody. I think if they offered Pascal Siakam real money, like like close to the max, they, like he'd sign, like I can't imagine he wouldn't sign that because he can get more from them than from everybody. And it seems like he's happy in Toronto. So to me, it's not like you have to keep Siakam. It's like, I think they just have to like make a shit or get off the pot decision with Siakam decision. on some level. So the question for me on the Raptors is, is the case that this gets you closer to a title? where you then have basically a two-year window that you're building toward. Are you close enough to a title with Damian Lillard, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, Jakob Pertl, and then everything else that you have? Maybe you still have Gary Trent. Maybe you still have Grady Dick. Maybe you still have Precious Achua. I would guess you have maybe one of those three assets moving forward. Does that bring you close enough to a title in it? To me, uh, I, I don't think so. Like, given the inherent roster flaws of a front court of Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Jakob Pertl, in terms of fit, not in terms of the talent of any of those three players, all of whom I think are terrific. And, like, Siakam's an all-NBA player. I think Scotty Barnes has, like, an immense amount of potential and talent. And then... Jakob Pertl is like a league average starting center, maybe like slightly above that. Um, it's just the fit that doesn't really work for me of those of those group of that group, and you get real diminishing returns on them. So if you're going to do that, in my opinion, if you're acquiring Damian Lillard without including Scotty Barnes in a deal, I think you're setting yourself up for a situation where if this is a struggle a little bit early in the season, the next logical move is moving Scotty Barnes. And that's not really a conversation that Toronto wants. And by Toronto, I mean their front office. Like it seems like Scotty Barnes is not going anywhere in this deal, like straight up. And I don't blame them for it. Scotty Barnes is a terrific player, a terrific, like long-term upside piece who is six, nine can handle the ball and create and transition and can pass and has potential defensively, all of it. What I am struggling with is just the overall fit of this roster. To me, if you're doing a Dame deal, the guy that makes sense to move is Scotty because a roster that is Damian Lillard, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent, and Jakob Pertl makes a lot more sense when you're trying to win in 2024 
which is what you should be doing if you're acquiring Damian Lillard, than a Damian Lillard, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Jakob Pertl mix. So I guess that's where I was trying to go with the Pascal, but didn't account for the age. So the timelines fit better is in your opinion, even though you're super high on Scotty, you're saying you move Scotty and now the timelines in Toronto make a lot more sense. I want to be clear. I'm not advocating any of this. I would just not acquire Damian Lillard. Okay. So that's what I wanted to say, Sam is I feel like we're talking in circles of, Oh, what do we think about a Dame Scotty Siakam? Oh, we don't like it. Well, then I ask, well, would you trade Siakam and make it a Dame OG Scotty Barnes? And for the record, I am a Scotty Barnes fan and I think he's a really good player and would be interested to see what he looked like in that role. And it was a no. And then we say, should we consider sh- trading Scotty Barnes? And we say no. So it's like, why are we trying to trade Dame to Toronto then if we don't like any of the trades that essentially have to happen, right? One of those three guys has to be involved. This this can't happen. To well, Toronto be, but the, the reason we're talking three. about this, the reason we're talking about this is because it seems like Toronto is interested. Based or Dame's on, representation got Toronto interested to get Miami to bump their offer? I have not gotten that impression. Okay. I, I'm willing to hear out that uh I'm willing to hear out that conspiracy theory. I just like but, to throw that stuff. <laughs> I, I I have not heard that. I, I think that it is genuine that they're discussing it. Uh We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla minus one recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan and you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon prime or something to be able to watch it. So When I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions, just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus, 
With Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account. Nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. So here, here's the the wrench I want to throw on this now, right? Yep. What if you could keep OG and Anobi and Scotty and Pascal and everything, and you could do Gary Trent, Grady Dick, Precious Sachua, a bunch of picks, and like the, you know, Chris Boucher, Etc. Etc. All that stuff, like the filler, Thad Young, Auto Porter, everything like that, because they they have the mechanism to do a deal that does not involve OG and Anobi, Scotty Barnes, Siakam, Pirtle, everything like that. Financially, they can do it. Like you can come up with a trade that makes sense for them. Does the question then is, does that? actually set up as a better offer than what Miami is offering. Would you rather have Grady Dick, Precious Achua, the Gary Trent deal, whatever you can get for Gary Trent, maybe. Maybe, you know, Phoenix is interested in Gary Trent and you could do Trent and Nurkic for Aiton or something like Like that. D-Rock just put Um, it in. I mean, then you you send a couple of those guys or one of those guys to Phoenix along with Nurkic and then you get Aiton back. And I know we'll talk about this, but I think we both like the idea of Aiton. I think in that scenario, Sam, you just do it if you're Toronto. Like, you just go. Like, go for it and let's see. Let's do it. I think, yeah. If you're not moving any of their starters, I'm a lot more interested in this from Toronto's perspective than I am. The, the question is, do you think that that is a better offer than what Miami's best offer is? Basically, I mean, I think it can get there because Toronto can offer picks as well. So I guess it would. So what, how, what are we matching up young prospects? We got Jaime and Jovich. Jaime and Grady Dick, and then uh, oh, Jaime and Jovic. Yeah, I see which, how you're doing this. Yeah, Jaime and Jovic versus Grady, um, Dick. Grady Dick and Precious, who you're going to have to pay here, by the way, momentarily with Precious. I feel like Grady Dick still has the best upside of that group, and so I feel like Grady Dick plus the – I believe the draft pick packages are somewhat similar – I think Toronto can offer two firsts in the future because of what they owe to San Antonio. I believe so. Yeah, I mean, I think it's as good as what they could get from Miami. I think I would rather have Grady Dick than than either one of the Miami Heat prospects. I think is where I'm at. Okay, so I'm sharing screen. Shout out to the folks at Fanspo here. Uh you can see the screen now. Well, yeah, Miami could still get Aiton to Portland just like Toronto can. I mean, they may have the best extra piece in terms of sending Caleb Martin. I don't know who. I mean, 
Toronto has some options I guess they could send as well, obviously. But I think the I think the Aiton thing has to be a wash between the two because both teams have a mechanism to do that. Do we agree there, Sam? That the Aiton thing has to be a wash, maybe. Uh, I, like someone is saying that Miami doesn't have the mechanism to get Aiton to Portland, but I think I think either team it's it works or either team can make it happen. Yeah, C- Caleb Martin I think can do that. Uh, my dog is going nuts. Bryce, keep talking while I try and figure this out and try and figure out what the dog is going on. Yeah, so I I feel like that is something we just have to consider both teams are able to do is the Nurkic goes to Phoenix and Aiton goes to Portland. And that's how you get this done. Listen, Brian, I'm with you. When I first heard the Nurkic and the DeAndre Aiton stuff, I was kind of out as well. And I think Sam and I will talk about that a little bit more in depth. I feel a little bit better about it if you're getting a Caleb Martin or one of these pieces from Toronto I don't know why Portland or excuse me, Phoenix wants to do it, but I do think it makes sense for Portland to bring DeAndre Ayton in, in that scenario. I think he makes sense with their young core. Is this a better deal than what Toronto or what, than what Miami can offer? It's Gary Trent, Chris Boucher, Thad Young, Grady Dick, two first rounders. And I'll throw in precious as well. Um, Cause I forgot precious here. Give me a second. Adjust. Um, and you can throw back what you need to throw back from yeah. uh, uh, everybody there. So Gary Trent on an expiring. Is this better than what Miami can offer? It's basically cash neutral. I'm, I'm going to say yes. I'm I, I'm gonna say Miami can't offer more than two first round picks either, right? Am I? Uh, you can do a three teamer with like Utah or Oklahoma City to get the picks. Uh, th- you could do three if you need to. Anki um, brings up fifty percent tax. I just want to be like clear: the tax thing for Toronto is like totally bullshit. Like if you. If your accountants can't figure out the tax situation in Toronto, like you, you have failed on some level uh, as an NBA player that is American. Um, what I do think is interesting about Toronto is I think that Damian Lillard is quite close with DeMar DeRozan. And I wonder if there is some like I've heard that speculated as a reason why there's not a lot of excitement for Dame in Toronto. Maybe that could have a thing to do with it i don't know that that makes more sense to me than the tax thing though um because again i think that you can make the tax side work for sure um yeah so then if you wanted to add on top of this you could adjust this and make it a three-team deal so the deal was precious grady gary trent that young chris boucher you add the third team. You're adding Phoenix here, who is here. You're sending Gary Trent to the Suns. You're sending DeAndre to the Blazers. Uh, and then what? You're sending, I guess, Thad Young to the Suns? Nurkic. Right? Nurk- Nurkic as well. Oh, no. You're sending Nurkic. That's right. Undo that. You're sending Yusuf to the Suns. Outgoing 32, incoming 35. You then have to, I think this is where you have to add a fourth team as well, to be honest. Like you'd have to, 
this is where you might add in like a Brooklyn or someone who has someone that has available roster spots because the only way that you can do Nurkic and Trent or Nurkic and Ananobi or whatever is you have to send out Goodwin. like Goodwin and uh, there's one more Ish Wainwright to the Nets maybe. Uh, so now you have outgoing 36 because the, the Suns can't take back more than what they bring in in a deal. So the Raptors are sending out all of that. They're getting back Lillard. Uh, I mean, honestly, like maybe they would like Ish Wainwright and Jordan Goodwin just because they're sending out so many bodies. So, you know, maybe we can just delete the Nets here. Um, Incoming 49.5, outgoing, all of that. Who am I missing? Am I missing – did I get rid of Thad Young? I think I did. Yeah, so Thad Young has to go to the Blazers here. Okay, so if you wanted to do something like this, if the Suns would do this, I don't know if they would have interest in Trent, and that maybe this is where we can transition into the Suns piece of this because yep. – I, I find that really interesting. This is a deal, a three-team deal between the Blazers, Raptors, and Suns, where in theory you can get Lillard to the Raptors. You don't have to involve OG or Siakam or Barnes or anything. Aiton, Boucher, Young, Thad Young, Grady Dick, Precious Achua, two firsts to the Blazers. The Raptors get Lillard, Ish Wright, Jordan Goodwin, and the Suns get Gary Trent and Yusuf Nurkic. That's like pretty okay. That's that's like kind of interesting to me, I think. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, like I said, that's I don't that, know. That's that, actually a deal. That's probably the most value I've seen a team get to the Blazers. The question is, would the Suns do Trenton Nurkic? You, I don't know you, the answer to that. You don't. You're not sure if they would take if if Trent is enough to downgrade from Aiton to Nurkic is what you're saying. You don't know that yes. Trent's enough, especially given the idea. Because uh, the idea of they have Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant already. Somebody like OG Ananobi or Caleb Martin, I think, makes a lot more sense for them lot, defensively. Defensively, yep. Than Gary Trent. Uh, I I will be honest. I think this is more than what Miami can do. Let me ask you this real quick, just because this is a like draft is what at least what I do and you do, obviously at extremely yeah. high level. Who's the better prospect between Grady Dick and Jaime? Like, who's the better get for the Portland Trailblazers between those? Because I know you are you are as high as anybody on Jaime. I do really really like Jaime. It's very, it's like a toss up to me. I okay. would say it's like truly a toss up. And how much does Jovic actually like? How confident are you? I would rather him? have Precious than Jovic. So that's where I'm at as well. Like, essentially, it's a competition between Grady Dick and Jaime Jaquez. And I would probably like, I love guys that can space the floor. And I think Grady Dick is an extremely high feel player. And I think he's, he's going to stay. And obviously, Jaime is as well. But I think I would lean Grady Dick and then I would like those other pieces, assuming the draft picks are relatively similar across the board. Yeah, I I think that's a little bit better than what we've done with Miami. And so, yeah, I think that's – 
I think that's decent for Damian Lillard. I just, I understand Portland fans who are want the moon, especially after you see what Rudy Gobert got the jazz and all of that. I just, I don't think you're going to get four picks and four pick swaps. Yeah. So how is that better than Miami's offer? AJ Marine asks to me, how is that better than Portland's offer or how is that better than Miami's offer? I would rather have the Grady Dick and Precious combination than the Jovic Hawkes combination. And I say that as somebody that is higher on Hawkes than anybody. Uh, I, I like that duo better, I would yeah. say. And so are we missing any other pieces that really make a major factor? Like that's where I'm wondering where people really question it not being better. Maybe they're thinking Tyler Hero to a third team that nets more first-round picks. First-rounder, maybe. Yeah, like I could see that. You could honestly like get to four even if you did. So that changes things, right? Yeah. So if you did like a swap with Utah where or Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, I think, owns one of their picks, so it's probably a little bit easier if it's Oklahoma City. Where you switch the years of like protections on the picks, you could do three of your own picks or three first round picks plus whatever you get for hero in a you know separate transaction that is somehow tied to this. That then I think becomes more interesting than this offer. I haven't seen any evidence that Miami is willing to do that much yet. So I, I'm not totally sure what to think of that. But if we're talking just like the Miami offer where they are, you know, offering a couple firsts and Hawkes and Jovic, and maybe you move Caleb Martin in this deal to the Suns, maybe you move OG to, or maybe you move um, Hero to a third team. But if you're moving like, if it's all of Hero, Martin, Hawkes, Jovic, that is better. I think for sure. The other thing to consider, Sam, is whose picks do you quote unquote trust to be better value in 2026, 2028, 2030 between the Miami Heat and the Toronto Raptors? That's another thing because we just talked about what with Damian Lillard. You said it 15 minutes ago two, three-year window. So which team between the Raptors and the Heat do you trust to be successful post-Damian Lillard when you actually convey those picks? Whose picks do you think are going to be more valuable in 2028 and 2030? I think Toronto is more well-positioned because they have the Scotty Barnes asset, obviously. That's true. Okay. But... I have much more faith like in Miami is an organizationally. Organization. Yeah. So it, it's, I, I'd probably, I would probably bet against Toronto a little bit more. And that's purely just because of like the Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, like Miami as well, just like being a glamour market where they consistently have stars there. Uh, I do want to shift to Phoenix here momentarily. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Because, I've seen some people speculate that it is a downgrade, but not like that big of a downgrade to go from DeAndre Ayton to Yusuf Nurkic. It is an enormous downgrade based on how Yusuf Nurkic played last year. Yusuf Nurkic was not good last season. 
Like we, we kind of need to just say that out loud. Maybe uh, he, he really struggled defensively. He really is not a impactful player on that end anymore. The, the level to which DeAndre Ayton is a better defensive anchor than Yusuf Nurkic at this point is drastic. Now, what Portland people will tell you is that Nurkic dealt with a calf injury last year and his movement was compromised. That would be the key piece of intel for Phoenix in this deal, understanding how much Nurkic's movement was compromised last year by this calf injury. If it was just a little bit, then we have problems. And like, I would not want to do this deal if I was Phoenix. If it was a lot, then I think you can make a little bit more of a case for it. If you're Phoenix now, the next piece of this is what are you getting in addition to this? Because you can't just do a straight Nurkic for Aiton swap. You know, Nurkic makes half as much as DeAndre Aiton does essentially. What is that level for you, Bryce? Like, what is the cutoff? Would you do, would you do Gary Trent and Nurkic for DeAndre Aiton? No, I think you talked me out of Gary Trent and I told I you. I would not. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I, my borderline is Caleb Martin, and you said it before we recorded. How do we reconcile Caleb Martin? Was it a playoff thing? We're going to find it. It would be interesting if Caleb Martin ended up on the Suns, and we have Caleb Martin on the Suns and Gabe Vincent on the Lakers and all and Max Struess on the Cavs, and we find out yeah. who those dudes are when they're not with the Miami Heat. I'm not saying they won't all be dudes. I'm not saying that. They would all be on playoff teams, and we'd find out how they look in the playoffs compared to what we just saw with the Heat. It just would be interesting. OG is a no-brainer, right? Like, that's done deal for me, absolutely. Let, let me ask you real quick before I shoot it back to you, Sam. How many games do you think Nurkic's average games played over the last four seasons? Now, remember, we did have the, the COVID seasons where it wasn't 82, so you got to adjust a little bit for that. Last four seasons. Uh, 45. 40. Okay. DeAndre Ayton is only at 55, but that's still 15 games. My point and why I think that's so vital to the Suns, don't you want the guy who plays more games for a team who, like, who's the backup center in Phoenix? Oh, I mean, it's like Shemezi Metu, uh, yeah, like that group. You know what I mean though? Like, don't you want Drew Eubanks is there now? Eubanks Eubanks. assault, like, okay. Okay, so there. That maybe maybe there's enough insulation with Eubanks that it's not as big a deal. But I just Bryce, we saw that center combination last year in Portland, literally, and there was not enough insulation defensively. (laughs) So here's my question. Do they not want do they not see the importance of the rim gravity lob threat pick and roll guy that Aiton is like, do they just say, Hey, we got some of the best ISO players in the NBA who cares if they have a ball screen and roll guy. We just want Nurkic to be big and strong and an enforcer and all of like, what is, is there a money? I know he's making less. Is it the money aspect is a little more here than what we're making it out to be like. So here'd be my question question to you 
is DeAndre that big of a rim runner threat kind of thing? It's more than Nurkic, right? It's I think it's more than Nurkic. Nurkic is probably a better screener than what DeAndre Agreed. is. Agreed. But DeAndre just has so much more uh, like juice athletically at this point. And if you're Frank Vogel, like you've gotten these guys to play hard before, like you've gotten them to roll hard to the rim. You've gotten them to do all the things that maybe you do have some concerns about with DeAndre. I'm not saying they're valid or not, but like whatever your case is here. Right. So I'm kind of, while we're talking, trying to come up with a four team deal that makes sense for everybody involved here with the Utah jazz, maybe getting Tyler hero, you know, it can be any team, but I'm just placeholding the jazz. Cause it, you can do that. Right. Um, let's say, you know, 2026 round one. I'm, I'm just like throwing things together. I d- don't take these as like the exact picks. I'm literally just like throwing picks in here. Uh, two picks, Jovic, Hawkes, Aiton. Uh, and then I have to get salary matching to the Jazz. So the Jazz would then send out. Let's see. I guess it would have to be Talon Horton Tucker going to the Blazers. And then it would have to be so outgoing incoming. I'm like trying to find the numbers that makes this make sense with hero. I, I, I don't know that they would want to move Kelly Olenek in a move like this. Frankly, I think Olenek has real value to the jazz particularly. I'm not saying if that's right or wrong, like maybe, maybe it is like a Colin Sexton or something like that. So they bring back Sexton Horton Tucker. I mean, this is, this is just me like trying. And then you send another first to the Blazers. Let's say how close am I with this while we're talking? This is a failure The heat can't do this. They can only take back 39, six, uh, why am I failing? Bryce, talk while I figure this out. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking through here now that the Jazz are, you know, they're having to send out a little bit to bring in Tyler Hero now with the first round pick, along with if you're talking about some guys that at least mean a little bit. And so, yeah. like, this as, is as, actually a little bit more difficult than what I thought. Yeah. To crap four team deal. Like, it'd almost have to, like, does it have to involve Kyle Lowry? So you sent out Caleb and the I two did. rookies. Oh, but you got to send out more and here. Oh, so even heroes, not enough with those guys. Yeah. I still have to send out more money. That, that only gets you to 39, six. The heat have to be a lot closer. I'm yeah. interested here. Just reading through some of the comments, the, I don't want to say eight and hate. So guys don't take it that way, but just the amount of people who are kind of like, I don't want Aiton. He's not a winner. He's, you know, kind of the vibes. It's it's just interesting that that's kind of the perception 
I've kind of gotten, I know him and Monty Williams had their thing. I think this is almost why I want this to happen. I want to see Aiton in Portland and see is, is it a DeAndre Aiton thing? Is it an environment thing? Is he just need to get to a new place? Um, it, it's, it's interesting that there's a, you know, that he kind of has that reputation with fans around the NBA. I agree. It's a, the heat. Like they can only though they're over the Who'd second you- apron. So that's why. Yeah, I, you might. I bet it has to be Duncan or Lowry. It probably has to be Duncan, which is why this is weird. Well, I, I don't know. I'm thrown. I'm very thrown. It could like look. I know I can throw Duncan, but I don't think anybody's going to be all that enthused about it. Be about like having to take Duncan yeah. in a deal, which is why I'm trying to avoid that. Uh, Lowry's at least expiring, right? Kyle Lowry is expiring. I guess you could do like Lowry to the now because that's way too much money going to Utah. No, I, I need to like really sit down and mess with this a little bit. The fact that Caleb Martin only makes six point eight million <laughs> is very complicated uh, with something like this. Very very complicated with something like this. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a little I- bit off. And I know we talked about it, Sam, last episode in terms of we trust the Miami Heat as much as any organization to build around and all of that. It's just I still it it would still make me a little uncomfortable. We just talked about losing Max Strews and Gabe Vincent. And now you're sending out Caleb Martin and Hero and either Lowry like you're, you're a lot of those guys are gone and there's not a whole lot of time between this, you know, training camp and the start of the season. It just, it would still make me a little uneasy, even though I stand by what we said last week as well. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Now, if the big thing for Portland here in something like this, I'm going to stop sharing this because I'm like all thrown off in terms of the money. (laughs) Um, I guess like you could just do like send a bunch out to Utah or whatever, but, uh, the big thing for Portland here is that getting off the Nurkic deal without having to send out an asset yeah. is actually like kind of wild if they could do this. Like if they could find a way for a team like Phoenix to take back Yusuf Nurkic for DeAndre Ayton and then Phoenix can just – or Portland can just use one of the assets they get in this other side of the deal – Maybe it's Ananobi, maybe it's Gary Trent, maybe it's Caleb Martin uh, to send elsewhere. That is like a very real value add. The question I would ask you there is if it's Ananobi, I feel like then you might want like an additional pick maybe if you're Portland. Yeah. Because why would I not just take OG? Yeah. Why would you not just take OG Ananobi at that point? Yes. Right but Phoenix can't really give you that additional pick. So that becomes more complicated. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing is a mess. That's yeah. A, the whole so thing I, is, as you were going through that, I'm like, if I'm the blazers. Yeah. Like I'm excited about Deandre Ayton, but if I'm going to send Nurkic and OG for Ayton in this, I'll just take OG. Uh, like I'll, I'll I'll take OG to Portland and mix him in with my young core and feel really good about that. I like the idea of Aiton in Portland. So let, sure. let's let's shift this maybe to DeAndre in Portland um, a little bit more. 
as a potential outcome here. And, uh, you know, if this happens, like we'll talk about it a little bit more, but I love the idea of DeAndre being like a potential defensive anchor, being like a guy who's on a relatively similar age timeline to Scoot, to Chris Murray, to all the other guys that they have here. And using his athleticism and scoring ability to take some pressure off of Scoot Henderson as a scorer, that feels like a valuable piece for everybody involved to me. And I feel like DeAndre would be happy because, and and listen, like I'm not connected anywhere with the Suns. I mean, with any team, really. I feel like DeAndre wants a bigger role, Sam. He, he ain't getting that in Phoenix, right? He is the fourth option every single night. And the fourth option after those three options, there's not a whole lot left. I think it would be interesting to see what DeAndre Ayton is. Would he be the second option in Portland? You yeah. Could, oh, yeah. That, I you mean, could you very could easily. Cases. Yeah. I mean, you're going to prioritize Scoot. You have Shaden. You still have Simons, Jeremy Grant, but I think Jeremy Grant would understand what he is in that team and eventually probably gets moved. Uh, I'm not saying it works, Sam. I'm not saying he's going to blow up the way Lowry did in Utah, but I would be interested. If I'm Portland, I would want to see. And so I, I think that yeah. I, I think it makes sense. And like the very worst, it gives Scoot a pick and roll big man, a guy that plays pretty good drop coverage behind him as they learn to navigate screens. Um, and, and it's a good young core. And like I said, eventually you're going to trade Jeremy Grant for some assets, um, whether it's at the deadline or next offseason. So I think it puts the Portland rebuild in a good situation. They have a head start on this thing with with some of the young talent they already have. They do, yeah. And again, you'd then be on the age timeline. Yeah. All on a similar age timeline, which is really interesting and valuable. Uh, just going to answer some questions here. Yep. Uh, CFTV Data asks, do you think Indiana has any interest in Aiton nowadays? My guess is no. Uh, they have re-signed Miles Turner onto a deal that is half as expensive as DeAndre. And Miles Turner is frankly just a better player at this point. I know the age timeline case you could maybe make, but... I'd just rather have Turner. Uh, the problem with Aiton in Portland is his contract. I think he could be a negative value contract as soon as next season. The thing is that it is probably like a slightly negative value contract right now, but the shorter time that you get, like after next or after the season, you'd only have two years left on his deal, right? It's really hard to have like a significantly negative contract on a two-year deal if the player is like producing like Deandre would probably average 20 points a game, 10 rebounds and would be like, okay on defense at the very least in Portland. I don't really think that that would be seen as all that negative in my opinion, at least league wide. The, the problem that I'm struggling with, with Miami now is trying to find a way for them, I, I kind of wonder if they just have to take back Nurkic if they want to do this deal. Isn't it funny that all of a sudden Nurkic is at the center of this and and deciding what happens? And like you said earlier, this is what makes things so complicated. I've also, as we've talked through this, if you're Portland, 
and I know it's not one-to-one, but just in general, would you rather have DeAndre Ayton out of this or OG Ananobi out of this? In a vacuum. If I'm Portland? If you're Portland. I know a great it, question. I know it's not one-to-one, Sam, because the assets aren't coming from the same place. So it's it's an unfair question. It's kind of fair, but not really. But at the end of the day, OG on an expiring, eight and under contract, but which one of those, if you had to choose the a deal that netted you Aiton or a deal that netted you OG, which one would you take? I would rather have, I think I would rather have Aiton for Portland given their situation and given that OG is also about to be extremely expensive and he has the ability to potentially leave. Ananobi is a more valuable player. Agreed. But he's going to make more than Aiton next year. And the risk factor of him leaving to go somewhere else would worry me. If OG and Anobi was willing to sign this like extension that should be on the table, that makes all the sense in the world to me. Like, sure, do that. Great. Let's let's like lock it in. You know what I mean? I, I just don't know that I that I see it. You, you know, like maybe, no, maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe he'd just be ecstatic to have the role that he seemingly wanted for years upon years. Yeah. Right? I mean, maybe again, just like reality. we said with Aiden, he goes in there and he's gets an offensive role. I think he fits in well. Again, I think he fits with the young core still. And then I always like to tie things back to the, you know, top 14 protected. So I assume Portland's going to have their draft pick. They're going to have their pick of a bunch of different big men to choose from in the draft this season. I think there's some really good guys, you know, like, so I'm like, hey, I would keep OG and then I'll draft Donovan Klingon or Alex Saar or whoever. And I got a pretty good group of four guys now on a similar timeline. So that, that, it just got me thinking. Now that there's not going to be some good wings in the draft as well, you know, I mean, somebody say, well, they could draft Ron Holland and you get DeAndre Ayton and it's the same thing, but I just, I think OG is probably the better player, but as you said, it's the contract situation as well. Yeah, that's exactly it. I'm like still sitting here trying to crack the numbers <laughs> on a four team, like Blazers, Heat, Suns, Jazz deal. And my brain is just like breaking here. Here's the last point that we'll finish on while I try and figure this out. Uh, Chicago, like Chicago does not make any sense here. Like you can't really construct a deal with Chicago that you can line up well, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, OG does have a player option next year, guys, for just under 20 million that, you know, it doesn't make sense for him to. Uh, yeah. I mean, whenever I did the bowl, I started it, Sam. And, and the first thing I put in my notes, Sam, was I don't understand what the deal is here, question mark. So I, I kind of gave up on it right away and started playing around with Raptors trades because that was just a lot more fun to do. And I text my Raptors friends asking them for their trades and stuff like that. I just. It has to be, I don't know. It, it's got to involve Levine, and then I, yeah, I, I I didn't see it. I don't think we need to spend. In my opinion, I don't know that we need to spend a bunch of time with it. Doesn't sound like it's as um, talked about as Toronto, and it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, a uh, couple other things here. 
Buddy Heald has been discussed in a trade now. I think I might like wait to do a bit of a deeper dive on Buddy until later in the week. Um, but does you know? Do you have any thoughts on Buddy at this point? I mean, he can shoot. He can really shoot it. I would, I would take him in Detroit. They, a young team, always needs shooting. I don't know what Buddy wants. I don't know what new contract he wants. It sounds like that's what's going on in Indiana. But yeah, I mean, I think he makes sense for quite a few teams in terms of you need a guy that can space the floor and that's of high value in the NBA. So it'll be interesting to see what his market ends up being. And that may be a little bit based off, again, what kind of contracts he's wanting, extension, all of that. Okay. Conclusions here. (laughs) first if Toronto can do this without including Ananobi or Barnes I am intrigued same I struggle to that is the closest I've gotten to formulating a deal like this I do not think Toronto will move Scotty straight up But the closest I've gotten is like Trent in Nurkic to Phoenix, uh, you know, all of the random stuff that we talked about. And then Aiton to Portland along with Grady Dick, Precious, a couple of picks and the salary ballast, right? That gets Nurkic off the that gets Nurkic off the books. It gets them, you know, basically four first round picks plus Aiden. That that's like a real monster package if the Suns are willing to take Gary Trent as the upgrade on the wing. I would personally not want that. If I was Phoenix, I would want something greater if I am including all of this it then becomes a circumstance where we're trying to square the circle of just straight up is Grady Dick precious two or three first round picks, a better asset package than Hawkes Jovic three first round picks, whatever you get for Tyler hero at that point. Right. And that proved to be a little more difficult than we thought, at least with the the team we tried. The, The, one one avenue we didn't consider here is can you do just like a three-team deal with the Suns where it's, you know, Lillard to the Heat, Kyle Lowry to the Blazers as like the salary ballast, and then... Nurkic to the Suns, you know, I'll, I'll put this up on the screen while I'm doing it here. Uh, Hawkes to the Blazers and then Jovic to the Blazers. Uh, that gets us to 35. We need 62. So Caleb Martin then goes to the Suns. So that's your... That's your piece of this. So incoming blazers are probably fine there. 
that's fine, and then that's fine, and then a bunch of picks, picks. to the Blazers. You know, let's say 2026 first to the Blazers, 2028 first to the Blazers. Again, don't take these as you know dead on things. I'm just kind of trying to like formulate deals here. Uh, what do I need? I need to cut 3.2 from Miami. That's actually quite, that's, it's quite a bit easier. It's then you can just throw in like Haywood Highsmith to the Suns, And then, uh, I mean, I think they kind of want Orlando Robinson, but I don't know that they would let this, that I don't know that they'd let Orlando Robinson like kill that deal. So why am I, Oh, he just signed. That's right. I forgot he signed that deal this year. They, they have options though yep. at this yep. point. Uh, Bryce, talk while I find this final like piece here. Yeah. So you're getting, you're still getting Aiton. I think the Suns now have a deal that they at least consider. I think we both said no to Gary Trent Jr., but I think we're both, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Sam, but I think we're both a little closer if it's Caleb Martin. It still comes down to what we talked about earlier with the Jovich. The Jaime Jaquez versus Grady Dick, Precious. Kyle Lowry's an expiring. I don't hate the idea of Kyle Lowry in Portland just, you know, maybe helping scoot along for a year. I know we mentioned this last week with the the NFL game where they had uh, they, the cameras caught Chauncey and Kyle Lowry in a, a suite together yeah. watching watching the game. But... I think it really comes down to the young assets and, and just how you feel, I guess, about Grady Dick versus Jaime Jaquez versus, again, whose picks make the most sense. What kind of pick can the Heat get for Tyler Hero if we were going to turn it into a four-team deal where we added in yet another pick? I think that would be a huge part of it is what is Tyler Hero's actual value around the league and can he bring in a legitimate first round pick so yeah this is bizarrely more difficult than what i thought in terms of like trying to find the way to get the suns to or the heat like to the numbers that they need basically i mean like i wonder if you could just do like hero then for you know like would you do hero for dinwiddie at that point if you're the heat and then like you get a, you know, they give up a pick as well. So that's just to, that's just salary matching stuff. Yeah. And salary matching and trying to make numbers work and kind of all of it, I guess. Cause what you can't do, you can't do Royce. It needs to be like 6 million, man. This is, this is way harder than what I thought. Uh, to be honest with you, this is why all these teams that whenever like these 10 to $15 million contracts prove to be yeah. very valuable at a certain point, Sam for stuff like this, because, and I think somebody was talking about the Lakers the other day, how many contracts they have in like the 10 to 13, 14, $15 million window. Those things I feel like just end up making things easier. So this is like the closest I could come up with. Maybe you send that. Yeah, hold on. You have to send 
this Brooklyn pick to the Blazers, I guess. But um, why didn't you go? Why are you annoying me? Um, yeah, so they have three picks here. I don't know why it's not. Yeah, there it is. Okay. So, yeah, I could, I can finagle this a number of different ways where it's, this goes back to the heat, I guess. And then they send out 2030, maybe to the Blazers. Dab dab happens one over here to open up another can of worms that I wanted to ask you about, which is uh, Dame for cat. Uh, That's no, that's a hard pass for me, uh, for everybody involved. Uh, except for the play, except for the wolves, where it's like, oh my god, let's do it. But okay, so this is like the closest I can get on a Heat for Lillard deal, I think. Where the Heat get Lillard, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dayron Sharp, in a first, but they're sending out three firsts: 20, 2026, 2028, and thirty. So essentially, net two firsts. Hawkes, Jovic, Lowry, Hero, Caleb Martin, Haywood Highsmith for Lillard, Dinwiddie, Dayron Sharp. The Blazers get Aiton, Lowry is the expiring, Hawkes, Jovic, and three firsts for Lillard and Nurkic. The Suns get Nurkic, Caleb Martin, Haywood Highsmith for DeAndre. The Nets get hero for Dinwiddie Sharp in a first. So to me, this essentially comes down based off what we put together earlier. Do you value the extra Miami first round pick more than how much better, in my opinion, Grady Dick, Precious, and those guys are than Hakez and Jovic? And one year of the veteran experience of Kyle Lowry tutoring Scoot Henderson. Hmm. Do I value that more? I think this is, hmm. I think this is a better deal. Let's assume that like Phoenix won't do it for Trent and would only do it for OG. Right. Okay. Uh, That changes a lot. And that changes a lot in the conversation. I think this is, this is a deal that makes sense to me. This is a deal structure that makes like an actual amount of sense to me. Uh, you're talking all the way around because we don't think Phoenix would do Gary Trent. I'm questionable. Maybe is the way to put it. Uh, we're a a hard, we're a hard no, but you're questionable on whether Phoenix would, I'm a hard no. I'm a hard no. Yeah. I'd rather just have Deandre. Um, in, in this construct, the Blazers end up with eight and Lowry Hawkes, Jovic and three firsts. That's a good deal for Damian Lillard. And you get off the Nurkic deal, which is worth a first on its own. Kyle right. Lowry's expiring. Kyle Lowry's expiring. So you get a bunch of money back moving forward. Th- this is, this is probably the closest structure I've seen unless the Suns are willing to take back Gary Trent. And then, the Raptor structure makes the most sense uh, because at the end of the day, if, if I'm Toronto and I'm including OG and Anobi, I probably don't want to include one of precious or Grady at that point. Correct. Correct. So 
this is probably the one that lines up most yeah. for me at least. And, and like, look, the Heat end up with like Spencer Dinwiddie, who's like fairly interesting as well. On some level, he's the replacement there for Lowry. Um, and look, like we're kind of shitting. Like I don't mean to shit on Gary Trent. I think Gary Trent's a valuable player. Sure, he no, says like overlap with what Phoenix has already. It's the roster in Phoenix. It has nothing to do with Gary Trent. It's just what what player that we're talking about sending to Phoenix makes the most sense for that roster. And, you know, I don't know who I would say is better between Caleb Martin and Gary Trent Jr., but for Phoenix, Caleb Martin makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah, I, I think Caleb Martin makes a lot more sense for this Phoenix team because he's a little bit better defensively. Agreed. And because that, like, level of, yeah, I, I would rather have Caleb Martin. Um, th- this is, this is close, at least to me, but you can come up with deals that make sense across the board here. It's just going to be what the Blazers prefer. And, and here's the thing, like Deandre being involved makes this deal a lot better in my opinion for yeah. Portland. I mean, there's, there's no way you're getting anything better for Nurkic than, than getting Deandre Ayton back. I mean, like, like what else, what else is happening if Nurkic yeah. isn't involved in this deal, what do they do with him, Sam? I, I don't have an answer to that. To, tr- truly, I don't have an answer to that, um, which is why I think they probably have made it a point to move him in these deals. Um, yeah, it's th- this is this is the one that makes the most sense across the board to me, unless. Toronto is willing to do OG and like Precious and Grady Dick. And then that's like a whole can of worms. And I would not do that deal if I was Toronto. So Heat, Heat, Blazers, Suns, Nets makes the most sense to me right now is where I'm at. Yeah, because like you say, if OG is going to the Suns, then... Toronto's going like, hey, we're already giving up OG Ananobi. Like, it's not our fault you're not keeping him and sending him on to Phoenix. We can't give up all these other assets along with it. And so you're probably not getting quite the same haul. So I, I think it's it's interesting. It's it it's always fun to play with it. It's interesting when you get into it like you were, Sam, and it's like, man, this is it's a little more complex than than what we thought and trying to make the money work and all of that. Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick commercial break and then we're going to dive into the NBL. Or uh, let's talk about the Mavs real quick and then okay. we'll talk about the NBL Blitz. Okay, we're back. Bryce Simon, Jason Kidd made comments over the weekend to Mark Stein on a podcast saying that Derek Lively and Omax Prosper are very real candidates to start the year. I don't think he committed to anything. I think he would love it if they would both win the job, but made it clear that they are real candidates to be starters for Dallas in the preseason and certainly potentially moving forward into the first game. When you heard that Omax and Derek Lively were potential starters for the Dallas Mavericks, what was your immediate reaction? 
I was surprised because I have gone through all 30 teams over at Draft Digest and written my NBA draft recaps. And in my article, I said, hey, the Mavericks have a roster where they can kind of bring these guys along slowly, right? They can kind of bring them off the bench and they don't have to put a lot of pressure on them. With that said, and I'm so sorry if you can, I swear if you can hear my kid crying in the background, he's just upset from a long day playing outside and he's getting a bath right now. So that that's that's the crying. So Yeah, no, I, it's all good. It's I, all good. I apologize for that. I love Omax, Sam. Like he is he was one of my guys. I watched a ton of Omax Prosper last year. Can I make a quick pitch for why I think maybe it makes sense? Like I, I don't even know that I believe this, but can I make a quick pitch? Yeah. Please. I love it. So I think you're essentially putting these guys in a lineup where you're only asking them to do what they are theoretically built to do. With Kyrie, with Luka, you don't need either one to handle the ball. With Grant Williams, you're spacing the floor. Derek Lively, all he has to do is play finish around the rim and defend. Omax, all you have to do is run the floor really hard offensive rebound, defend the other teams, maybe not even their best wing because Grant Williams may be able to do that, but be a really good defender. He chases guys off screens actually really, really well. Like if you're a nerd and you want to watch off ball screen navigation, go watch Omax Prosper. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. And just let them do that. And then, Sam, you have eight or nine guys that you can decide every night to be your second unit and just let them be as good as possible. So that is... Maybe not a pitch I believe in, but maybe makes sense. So I, I think that, hmm, how do I want to go about this? I think the theoretical idea of Omax and Derek Lively and what they can be in the future makes all of the sense in the world for Dallas yes. as a starter or as starters. And I loved their draft. I loved every single thing that they did. I love their whole offseason. Yep. They built defense around Kyrie and Luca, which is what you have to do if you're going to build around those two moving forward. I find it hard to believe that particularly lively, I will say, will be ready to be an NBA caliber starting center from day one. That's right. Uh, and I love Derek Lively. I, I thought he was the best defensive player in college basketball by the time February and March rolled around last year. I just think it's going to be a minute for him. Last year, it was a minute. It took him until yeah. really January, I would say, like late January, to reach the point where he became a lottery pick or a potential lottery style talent. Omax, I think, has a better case for it. It really depends on a very simple question. Do you think Omax can guard point of attack ball handlers and like can really be a strong, high level defensive presence on perimeter initiators from day one? Because th that's what you need him to be for him to be a starter so you can take the pressure off of Kyrie and Luca and have a little bit more like versatility in terms of lineups and rosters so that's the caveat that's where i as much as i love omax and i like i love and omax is an incredible young man on top of everything else awesome human being awesome. unbelievable human being unbelievable human being one of the most like impressive emotionally mature like young 20s kids 
I've met point blank. Yeah. I'll just like, I've had the opportunity to speak with him and blew me away with the conversation I was able to have. Yes. Um, I don't think that's what he does best. I don't yes. think that that's setting him up for success. And I don't think that that's the role he's best used as is like, Hey, go guard Steph Curry tonight or even SGA. I don't think those are the matchups I see for Omax. And so mm-hmm. to answer your question is, is no. The other thing about lively Sam, he only played 20 minutes a game last year in college you know, now you're making the jump to the NBA and the physicality and all of that. Like how many minutes is he going to be able to play on top of it? Now you can still start him and only play him 24 minutes a night if you really needed to, but that's another interesting thing. So again, I wanted to have some fun and make the argument. I'm not sure I believed everything I said. I I believe it long. So that's the other thing I looked up. Just if you look at the contracts on the roster in 25, 26 are all these five guys, Hardy, Kleba and Powell. And then four of the five are in the so it's like two years from now, this makes a lot of sense. I think mm-hmm. it would be kind of cool if they started building it now, but you're also in win this year mode with Luca and Kyrie, especially after what happened last year. Yeah. The so here's the thing that's interesting to me about this, at least. I think that Omax is great running off of screens with like uh against Guys like a you know JJ Redick or somebody a Jordan Hawkins. Go, go watch the Yukon. Go watch the Yukon film. Like guys, yeah. go watch the Yukon film. Stands out to me. He's fucking phenomenal at it. He's Incredible. great at it. Yep. Um, he's also good against bigger wings yes. defensively and can yes. manage those guys well. I think Josh Green does a better job on point of attack players than what he does. Josh is much smaller than Omax though, so if it's a bigger wing. Josh definitely makes sense. And Josh is going to be drastically better than Omax is on offense to start the year Uh, for the whole year. Let's say Omax has some upside offensively and I don't want to minimize that, but Josh green is in his fourth year in the NBA. He really came on by the end of the year last year on top of it. I love the synergy of him and Kyrie together of what I think could be a really interesting change of pace for the Luca lineups where Luca likes to play more slow, deliberate style play, obviously, as everybody knows. Uh, Kyrie likes to push tempo. And Josh Green is a great running partner for Kyrie. So almost what I would do if I was Dallas in this circumstance, I would start Josh Green and Kyrie. I'd take them out after like four or five minutes or so, and then bring them back to run the second unit at like the 10-minute mark, uh, 10 minutes into the game with two minutes left in the first quarter, when you take Luca out and let Kyrie come in to run the second unit, because you're obviously going to stagger Kyrie and Luca as much yeah, as you yeah. can. And then just run Josh and Kyrie together as like your second unit. Like we're going up and down the court. We're sprinting. We're trying to create and transition. We're changing the, dic- we're, you know, trying to dictate the tempo of the game in a different way for, uh, that seven minute stretch or whatever. And on top of it, we think we can really take advantage of those. So we want to up the possession totals when Kyrie is on the court because he is so good and a big marginal advantage for us as an organization. If I was Dallas is being able to have one of Kyrie or Luca on the court at all times, which means my bench 
units should be amazing. Are, they're going to be better anyway. You don't have to keep the. I want to put Omax and Lively with that with that run. Then I want to put Omax and Lively with what you're just talking about there, because if, if if Kyrie wants to run the floor, put Lively running the nail and let Omax run. And I mean, Omax may beat everybody down the floor. He might get down the floor before Lively anyway. Like let those guys and then give them a shooter, someone that can knock down shots with them. You know, put Seth Curry out there with them or whatever, and let him space. That's a lot mm-hmm. of fun. That, that that's a league pass every night type of team. Now that backcourt doesn't guard extremely well, but you know the guys around them, Sam, theoretically can make up for it with Omax Green and Lively protecting the rim. And, I like. Then the the question is like, who do you bring in when you take Kyrie and uh, you know Josh Green off? It's you know you can bring in Tim Hardaway and Maxi. Yep. You can bring in you, you can do a lot of different things. You can bring in Tim Hardaway and Dante Axum. Like you can do. Uh, a number of different things they're pretty deep and they have like a lot of really really interesting chess pieces maybe is the way to put it but dallas is a really fun team like somebody in the comments just asked like are y'all really talking about dallas's rookies i think it's an awesome conversation i think dallas is going to be like one of the most intriguing exciting teams in the league and the coach just said he's planning on starting rookies and for the record i really Like, like jaden hardy I think Jaden Hardy. I do too. Really That's the good. other piece of this too. Yeah. I know. I know you've had this discussion, Sam. Uh, listen, I'm not. The Ignite's going to be fascinating this year. Watched another one of their games today because they're overplaying in the Intercontinental, whatever. And so I was, yeah. you know, Matas didn't play, but the other guys did. But I don't know how Hardy fell. Was was where I was trying to get to with that. I, I don't know how he fell. I wanted the Pistons to take him in the second round. They had a chance. They didn't. The dude yeah. is a good. Pl- I watched those Ignite games that year, and I was like. I'm not seeing like he's not a perfect prospect, but I'm not seeing all the issues of why this kid falls all the way into the second round. I had him as a top 20 guy. I felt that way. I thought that he should have been taken there. Do you know what Jaden Hardy did last season in 11 games in the G league, Bryce? Have you gone back and watched that tape yet? I haven't. No. Jaden Hardy in 11 games. Average 28.8 points per game on 55, 49, 86 shooting. <laughs> he was like unstoppable in the G League last year. And he was good in the NBA minutes too. Like, I don't want to, you know, reduce that. Like, he averaged like nine points a game and shot 44, 40, yep. 82. For a rookie, that's like great, great, great numbers. Like, I think Hardy is really, really talented and has a shot to be like the perfect sixth man behind Kyrie and Luca. And oh, by the way, like another guy that is willing to push tempo and play with Kyrie as well. Um, I, I love what they've done. Like I, I, I love everything they did this off season. And I think that the Mavericks are in a really positive position now, as long as they get the center production that they need, you know, the name that I've seen pop up occasionally is Clint Capella, right? Like Ooh. Clint Capella would make a lot of sense for them. I think That'd at center. Be, that would uh, be awesome. Yeah. Like, but I, I also really like the idea of them keeping Maxi, which means that it's hard to do like a, uh, you could do like a Rashawn Holmes and, or no, it'd have to be probably Tim Hardaway, I guess. Cause I don't know if you can combine Rashawn with people right now, but uh, if you could do like a Clint Capella, there's there's less synergy, I think, between Clint Capella and the Dallas Mavericks uh, that, that makes sense to me. 
Yeah. No, I, I think they had a fun off season. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I thought they had a great draft. I mean, they moved back. I don't know if somebody was mocked more to player team. Was there a player team mocked more than those two than lively and the Mavericks? I don't think so. And then they moved back and still got him. And then they used that to get another draft pick, which turned into Omax. And so I thought they navigated the draft really well. I think Grant Williams is, I think he's a, a very good player. Maybe I'm proven to be wrong on that. And they seem to have an extremely deep team that helps you win games in the regular season. And I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to the two dudes being dudes, right? Like those two, Luca has to take defense serious. Kyrie has to be as about basketball as Kyrie can be about basketball. But I'm, yeah. I'm it's a deep West, but I think they're a team that has a real chance if things come together the right way. Yeah. And the other piece of this for, uh, for the, just to loop the Clint Capella thing. Yeah. You could do Tim Hardaway jr. For Clint Capella straight up. I'm not totally sure why Atlanta would do that, frankly, unless they are just like purely in cost cutting mode, because that would save them like $3 million to do that. But yeah, to me, I would rather do something like, I would love to find a way to do Clint Pella to Dallas is maybe the way to put it. It'd probably have to be a three team deal where like a backup center goes to Atlanta and they get to start a Kong Wu and everything like that. And probably has to be a center with like real size, but regardless, uh, the Mavericks are a fascinating spot and I'm interested to see what they do. The other thing is that like, you don't have to do, you don't have to make this decision. Like you can mix and match based on the team in front of you. Yep, And that's, I think, what is most important about what Dallas did this offseason is they got options based on what is in front of you. You can throw, if you need a bigger wing, you can throw Omax out there. If you need somebody that can stop point of attack, you can throw Josh out there. If you need, you know, more scoring, you can throw Jaden Hardy out there. If you need a bigger lineup, you can go like Maxi, Grant Williams, and a center. Or you can go smaller and you go Maxi at the five with Grant Williams, guarding centers, right? The lineup flexibility and versatility that Dallas got this season is what I think has been most impressive about their offseason. And now it's on Jason Kidd. And I have as many questions about Jason Kidd as a coach as I think everybody else does. It's up to him to mix and match and push the right buttons at the right time. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to talk about lineup versatility as fan bases. And then you like realize you have to trust your coach to figure that out every single night. And some coaches are really good at it. And as quote unquote, easy as it seems to be, not all of them get it. You know, all coaches, every coach has strengths and weaknesses. Some are more drastic and, you know, it'll be a year. We'll find out how good is Jason Kidd at putting the right lineups on the floor at the right times against the right teams in the regular season, Sam, but then especially come playoff team. Can he find the right keys to unlock the matchups when they're in a seven game series against the Los Angeles Lakers or the Golden State Warriors Or if they go deep in the playoffs, can he adjust that every round? Because I think that's what's fun, Sam, is watching coaches make those tough decisions on, okay, so-and-so just played great last series, but now we have to set him down because the matchup dictates that we put this guy on the floor. So it'll he has the pieces now, and that's all you can ask for as an organization, and now he has to put them in the right spots. 